Hey guys, it's Kelly, and I want to welcome you back to the Unbroken Podcast. So, I have been trying to hurry up and finish Vampire Diaries before it gets taken off of Netflix. So, I've been hiding in the hole of my bedroom and binge-watching like crazy. But, of course, I need to take breaks And I kind of go through like the trending list on Twitter sometimes just to see what's going on in the world. And lately there's been a lot of times where Epstein and Maxwell are trending and I'm just eye roll and like, oh dear God, what now? So one of the things that I notice when Maxwell trends and it's not just on Twitter, I've seen it on TikTok and other social media platforms is people making posts or videos that it's been this many days since Maxwell was convicted and the government has yet to release a list of her clients. So, is releasing that list going to end sex trafficking? No, it's not. Not in any way, shape, or form. Not even close. Will it end sex trafficking? Is it important in the fight for sex trafficking? No, I don't think so either. Because it's just a list. And newsflash, Epstein was arrested for the first time like nearly two decades ago. So whatever they had back then, they have now. And whatever they have now, they had back then. So if we're going to actually get mad about it, let's be mad about what the truth of it is, is when he got his sweetheart deal, they had a lot of information about clients and things like that. Now, I don't agree with this hypothetical list if it actually exists being released. And I've talked about it many times. And the biggest thing is I don't think it's right to the victims of these people to have their trauma not only released against their will, but to be completely over-politicized. Because let me tell you, on any video that I do on TikTok where I've talked about Epstein and Maxwell and the things that they did, nobody actually hears the horrible things that they did. At least I don't think that they do because the comments say otherwise. But I get asked like, did you see any celebrities? Did you see any politicians? Did you see this person, that person? And I'm just like, okay, number one, I was a child. So, even if I did, I wouldn't know who these people were at the age that I was. Not only was I a child, I was also an isolated child. And, yeah, I wouldn't have known who they were. Like, literally, I could have, and I'm not saying this happened, but I literally could have had dinner with Nancy Pelosi back then and had no idea because I wouldn't even have known who she was. Um, so, it's like... Are they actually listening to my story? Do they actually listen to the horrible things that went down or anything like that? Or are they just like, oh, here's an Epstein victim, which I've recently been labeled as. I got to find out. I got to know if my favorite actor or the guy that I voted for in the last election, if she saw them. I don't get it. I mean, I understand inquiring about those things. I don't get why people are so hyper-focused on that detail 
of my story and why that's the questions that they ask. And I don't understand exactly why people are so hyper-focused on this client list that may or may not even exist. I literally, like, it pains me to say this, but I literally see people that say the public deserves to be able to see the videos that they took from the West Palm Beach house. Yeah, it, it, it steals my voice every time. I just like get speechless. So I don't know if those were actual blackmail videos or not. I don't know what was on them, but let's just pretend for a second that they were in fact blackmail videos. Why would somebody think that the public deserves to see that? And more importantly, why would you want to? Why would you want to watch a video of a child being sexually assaulted and tortured and going through this absolutely horrific thing? And I soon realized I don't think people understand that that's what these videos and these blackmail videos and pictures are of. It yeah, would possibly have a politician or a celebrity in it, but what about the child that's in it? And I commented under that person's post that said it, and I was just like, why would you want to see that? Well, we need to blah, blah, blah. I I can't even remember what excuse they gave, and I was like, it sounds like you're a pedophile. And I, I usually don't throw that little thing out but this person was like literally defending why they wanted to watch it and that's the only reason I could come up with (laughs) now if this person is or not I I don't know but that was it was very eye-opening for me um because it's hard I know the horrible things that are done to children when they are sex trafficked And if they're traffickers or anything like my parents, which most of them, the traffickers are, and they keep blackmail videos, it's not like just some random video of a person walking into a house. It is a picture of the sale, the picture of what that person purchased. So... I'm not going to give gory details, but I'm sure your mind can pretty much go there yourself. And why are are people demanding to see that? Why do they have an urge to see that? Like, where does that come from? And obviously, number one main source is probably the media, because the media just likes to push whatever thing they can to get their views. They don't get their views by saying, hey, nothing bad happened today. But the other thing is people that just want clout on social media that don't know a single thing about sex trafficking, that don't know any survivors maybe or no one has ever opened up to them if they are a survivor and don't even understand the heaviness of what they're actually saying. So... I tried to think about it and go as deep into my thoughts surrounding Epstein and Maxwell as I can. They gave you something. They gave you something to cling on to, something to be mad about, and they also gave you something to make you feel like 
if you have enough anger towards these two people, then you're actually doing something to fight sex trafficking. And yeah, in a way you are. And I'm not shaming anybody and I'm not talking to anyone specific. This is like in general to the whole world. Um, but let me ask this. How many posts or stories are we hearing about grooming and how sex traffickers actually get their victims? Not many. I mean, you hear it from survivors. Obviously, anyone that's been following me hears it from me and hear it from the different uh, task forces in the federal agencies and police departments that combat sex trafficking. And they tell you, like, that is the biggest threat to your child and to yourself as well. Releasing Epstein's client list isn't going to keep your kids safe. It's not going to keep you safe. Knowing about grooming, however, is. So why aren't more people talking about it? And I understand the word grooming is kind of controversial right now, which is like the most infuriating thing. Um, I don't even know how it can be a controversial term, but, you know, nothing really surprises me anymore. But grooming is how they take their victims. And it might not just be to kidnap a child or an adult, but it's also done to keep victims in check and to keep them. It's just like, oh. So I'm trying to think. I know I've talked about James and the different things that he did to get me to go willingly to my own kidnapping, but I'm trying to think of another kind of thing. So uh my parents for example um there was a lot of grooming because i was brought to a party which i've talked about these parties before and my i'm trying to think of how to say it without being graphic because i really don't want to do like trauma porn um so it's a bunch of kids that were the basically to put it in the simplest way is the product was being tested out by the other traffickers in the neighborhood and when i saw my father doing what he was doing i was disgusted but not at what you would think i was disgusted that he was cheating on my mother right in front of me and i was young i think maybe eight nine ten years old maybe a little bit older, but in that like general age range. And I wasn't disgusted by what he was doing to a child. I was disgusted he was cheating on my mother. And I look, I can remember looking around the room. I don't really remember a lot of faces um, and the faces that I do, I don't recognize. But there was a lot of men there that were doing the same thing. And I'm just like, why are they all cheating on their wives? That is a kind of like, that's what grooming is. I was so conditioned to believe that this was normal behavior and that the only thing wrong was that someone was getting cheated on, not that an adult was acting inappropriately with a child. 
And that's also grooming, like I said. So grooming, I think, being more vocal about it and not making it a controversial topic the way that it has been being made, I think it's important to get as educated about that because, like, when James was grooming me, it just seemed like he was a good person that wanted to get to know me. But it was all one-sided. It wasn't him giving me information about him. It was giving me everything I hoped and dreamed for, figuring out all my problems and then solving all my problems. And it seemed too good to be true, which when it seems too good to be true, it generally is too good to be true. But I think if I had been more educated on grooming, I might have picked up on a lot of the red flags that I see now. But of course, I see them because hindsight's twenty twenty. So we're sitting here in society that is making one of the biggest ways that someone is taken into sex trafficking being grooming, making it a controversial topic. Literally, if you call someone a groomer, you can have your pose taken down, no matter what the context of it is. If you even mention the word, you can have your pose taken down, even if it's used in the right context. And then they have everybody hyper-focused on Epstein and Maxwell and some hypothetical client list that they think is going to rid the world of sex trafficking. You know, it really... It really breaks my heart because I sit here and think about how my life is now. And I was talking with a friend that's a survivor as well. And I was just like, um, we were FaceTiming and a friend of mine, a really good friend that doesn't listen to it. But if you are listening, Keith, I love you so much. Um, send me a text because of... The whole, I think it's Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson. I don't know why I said it so weird the first time. Um, I think he plays for Cleveland in the NFL. Was There was like 24 accusations of sexual assault made against him, and he had a six-game suspension, which they appealed, and now has an 11-game suspension. And he texted to just apologize <laughs> um, and say, like, he's so sorry that, you know, we have to see this. And I'm just like, it is what it is at this point. I'm used to it from the NFL. That's why I don't watch. I'm not not watching it because of all the other political reasons behind it. I'm not watching it because it enables domestic violence. It enables sex trafficking. It enables sexual assault. And the perpetrators are still allowed to have their jobs, which I don't think they should. So uh, I brought it up in the FaceTime when I was talking with my friends and I was like, ah, I love him. And we got to talking about a lot of things and realized like there is no support for us. And that's not just sex trafficking survivors. It's survivors of so many other things. And there was this like thread thing about a girl that was a ballerina and had been sexually assaulted by, I think it was like her coach, might have been an instructor. Um, And she talked about the length of the trauma that just 
when the guy stopped, the trauma continued because she had to also deal with giving the police statement and then testifying in court and then dealing with her trauma being blown up in the media. And I feel that on like one of the deepest levels I could. And I always say that sex trafficking, saving a sex trafficking survivor doesn't end at the last sale, but yet everybody seems to think it does. So when I pressed charges against James, I had to give two different statements because it was two different jurisdictions. Both were at least four or five hours long that I had to relive this trauma that had happened to me 10 years prior. And then I had to deal with that charges weren't being pressed, even though I found out later that they were. Um, But it's like, I have so many issues. I mean, I had my whole day planned today. I had to have my blood work to get my thyroid and cortisol levels checked, which came back normal, I'm so excited. And I had a mammogram and a thyroid ultrasounds, but it was like just going to the doctors and getting the blood work done, which seems like such a mundane thing and so simple. I was exhausted. I was so anxious. I actually canceled my other appointments and had to reschedule them for next week because I just, I couldn't bring myself to go all the way down to the imaging center and do these two simple little tests. And no, a mammogram is not simple. It is painful and ridiculous. And with all the medical technology, they should have a better way to look for cancer in the breasts. But, you know, that's for another day and a different podcast probably. (laughs) But it's like I am permanently scarred when it comes to medical procedures because of the way that my parents exploited the medical profession when trafficking me. I mean, as anyone that's been following knows that I was trafficked a lot in the dental offices. And it wasn't always by dentists, I don't think. I mean, it could have been, who knows. But just to go in and get an evaluation is like traumatizing. I can't sit in the chair And I sit in this really weird space. I have to have the doors open. I have to have my husband out in the waiting room. He needs to have permission to come in at any moment without even asking the front desk. Or I'm not going to even get through the appointment. And I need a lot of dental work because of the constant like imbalance that my hormones were in when I was being trafficked. I mean, my teeth just, it, it's a big, long story. I'll get into it one day, the full story. I know I've talked about it, but it's like, it turns into an all-day event because it's not just going to the appointments. It's dealing with the anxiety afterwards, having to come down from that anxiety and try to get myself calm, dealing with flashbacks and... <sighs> sorry, Um, nightmares and the dissociation, which I'm kind of doing right now. I'm trying to keep it together. Um, But it's like, it's fucking expensive. Like, let's just say it's fucking expensive. I got my bill from my therapist and yeah, I owe like almost a thousand dollars. I'm getting it paid off. You know, they're awesome when it comes to paying, but it's like, 
I have all these medical problems and they all stem back to the sex trafficking, but who's going to pay for it? I have to. And it's not just like the cost of it. It's like the entire day is surrounded by not triggering a flashback or a panic attack. Like everything about it. Like my husband, he is, uh, he is a blessing. Let me tell you, I am so mean to him and he gets me. So he knows I don't mean to be, but it's like he knew today was going to be stressful. So when I forgot something at home, he didn't even question it. He just stopped and grabbed me a new one. Um, when I walked, after I got my blood work, he was meeting with his doctor and I walked in and he was literally holding my cup that I have to bring out. It's, it's a safety thing. Like people have security blankets. I have a Bubba cup filled with a protein shake. Um, I have hypoglycemia, so it helps to raise my blood sugar if it drops. But he's like holding it like he's guarding it with his life. And I'm just like, I love this man. I don't deserve you. <laughs> a lot of ways I don't and a lot of ways I do. But he knew how stressed I would be. And he knows that I don't leave drinks unattended. I don't. I mean, I literally like left my vape mod in the truck for like two minutes when I came up into my apartment and I had to drain all the juice because my something liquid being out of my possession, I, I couldn't do it. Didn't, and he doesn't question it. He helps. So it's like, I'm going through all this stress, but he's going through it too because it's like, trying to think how to word it it's like he's trying to fix everything that could make me anxious before it even happens I don't ask him to do that I am so thankful that he does but I also hate that he has to but he had to work and he knew if I got too anxious that I wouldn't be able to get myself down to not being anxious enough for him to work but it sucks and it's not talked about the aftermath is never talked about everyone's so hyper focused on epstein and maxwell and the client list how many people actually give a damn about the victims that testified or the other survivors and victims that have come forward since how many people actually give a damn what their lives look like because I know Virginia Roberts, and I use her maiden name because I cannot remember how to pronounce her new name. She lives in another freaking country, like moved to another country to feel safer. And honestly, I am close to that. I am literally really close to just fleeing this country to find some sort of sense of safety. We're not talking about that. And that's a conversation that people don't want to have. And I don't understand why not. Because we all want the same thing in the grand scheme of things. We all want to end sex trafficking. But if we're hyper-focused on a hypothetical client list or blackmail videos or trauma porn by listening to survivors talk in graphic detail about their traumas, wanting to know details that are nobody's business, 
or see videos of blackmail that include children being assaulted and tortured, who's caring about the victims? And I know I make a lot of videos talking about that, but talking with my friend, I was just like, we don't get to pay our bills, or we don't have anyone to pay our bills. We have all these medical problems. The the bills like just pile up. The cost just piles up. I know my thyroid is like pretty much dead because of all of this and everything that I went through as a child. So every three to six months, I'm getting ultrasounds of my thyroid and taking medication, getting my levels checked, probably going to end up losing my thyroid pretty soon because the thing is just useless. But what what options do we have? Well, they have victim assistance programs, but they're victim assistant programs. There's not much help for survivors that have been gone 13 years next month like me. And my friend has been gone generally around the same time. So what's our options? I mean, I could sue. I could file a, a civil lawsuit against my parents. I could file a civil lawsuit against James, which he's in prison, so that's not going to even be paid for a while. But what happens when you do that? So a lot of times they settle out of court because they don't want the publicity. And... I constantly see people saying that, oh, well, they're just in it for the money. How traumatized, I mean, how traumatized are you really if you're trying just to get money out of it? So it's like, it puts this stigma on you as a victim slash survivor. And then a lot of times you have to sign an NDA, which means essentially you're silenced just to be able to afford to pay for the damage that they did. So it's like, what's the point? <laughs> and my biggest thing, why sue my parents when I can't guarantee that the money I get isn't made off the backs of other children being trafficked? Now, do I think my parents are still doing it? No, I don't. I don't know how much that is just like hope or if it's fact, but it could. it's possible, but I really don't know. I hope not, and I really don't think so, but could be hopeful thinking, like I said. But if they were still trafficking kids, and it's like all the, all our bills that were paid when I was a child was paid because of the things I did. The nice cars that they had, the beautiful home that we had, literally everything in my childhood bedroom I paid for in some way, shape, or form. So it's like, where's the support for the lifelong thing that comes with trauma. And it's not just sex trafficking victims and survivors. I mean, domestic violence, cult survivors, um, so many different kinds of trauma. Like this stuff sticks with you for a very long time. And even if you get to the point like I'm at where I feel comfortable enough with my past that I can share publicly, I still have all the medical issues from having that heightened cortisol and the other hormones that were constantly heightened as a child that never should have been. And it's like, where's our support? It's 
do we not matter anymore? And I just, I can't help but feel like in a lot of ways we don't. I know that a lot of people that want to spread misinformation hate me, um, especially the guy that blocked me for calling him out on the zip tie video, because my truth dismantles their misinformation. And I'm not calling this guy a sex trafficker, but there are sex traffickers that put videos like this out because they want people distracted and hyper-focused on other things, just like this client list. I mean, who do you think has everyone distracted? It's not the people on the list. It's the sex traffickers because they want you focused in one place while they get away with it in another place. So I know this was like a lot of topics in one episode, but the thing... The message, I guess, whatever you want to call it, that I want to get out there is it is difficult to live life after trauma. And yes, we can overcome it. No, we're not living in the past. No, we're not refusing to let go of it. The past is refusing to let go of us in a sense. But there's not enough support I know they passed this like huge human trafficking bill thing and I mean I read through it and I'm just like hmm not buying it. I don't like this bill. It's too general and it's throwing money in places that without very specific guidelines on where the money needs to go but I wouldn't benefit at all from this huge spending bill to support human trafficking survivors. I should at least benefit somehow. Not that I would use any of the money because I'm just not that type of person, but I should have access to it, you know? So, yeah. Oh, I rambled. I tend to ramble a lot. But I think the biggest thing I want anyone to take out of this episode with all this rambling is just to remember that we get a life sentence and... A lot of people don't make it out alive. They don't survive the aftermath. The suicide rate is high and it's because we don't feel safe and we have all these medical issues and it's triggering. I mean, to sit here and be told that I have three autoimmune diseases that more likely than not were caused by the high cortisol levels of the trauma that I survived, yeah, that's like a daily reminder of it. I mean, how do you escape an autoimmune disease? How do you escape your body attacking itself? You can't. So I guess let's just drop the Epstein client list thing. Let's just stop talking about it and move on. Because even if it is a real thing and there's a whole bunch of clients I mean it's not going to do anything like I've said before you need the victim to corroborate that this person actually did anything you need more proof than just some list which they if they have they haven't released it in nearly two decades so they're not going to release it so let's just move on and find the best way to support survivors because There were a lot of survivors of Epstein and Maxwell, and I am definitely not saying that they don't matter because they absolutely do, but there also are a lot of survivors that had nothing to do with them. 
that weren't traumatized by them, that were traumatized by teachers and coaches and dance instructors, their parents, their neighbors, and they matter just as much. But people don't talk about that and people don't focus on that because the only thing I can think of, it just makes it hit too close to home and people don't want that. So I'm going to leave it there for tonight. And I'm sorry I kind of rambled and went back and forth a little bit, but it actually took like seven or eight times of trying to record this till I got this far into it. I'm a little rusty and I promise I'm going to try to start to sit down more often and make some episodes, but I've just, I've needed to kind of get my brain working again because it's like I know like writer's block is when a like an author can't get past a certain point in their book I don't know what it's called when a podcaster can't figure out what to talk about (laughs) so I have like the writer's block version or the podcaster's version of writer's block so I'm gonna work through it I think it's just a lot of things are going on and I just need to take time for myself, do some self-care, but I love y'all, and I hope y'all have a wonderful week, and I want to say thank you so much, because I also found out I got bumped up into the top 5% globally in my category of podcasts, and I'm so proud of myself, and I love it. I've never felt proud of myself and I've never felt like I've had a voice. So the more listeners and subscribers that I get, the more I feel heard. And that's something that I never got to have. So thank you so much for all your continued love and support. I say it at the end of every episode, how much it means to me. And I don't think anyone really grasps exactly how much it does mean because there are so many times that I was unheard and there are still times today that I'm unheard so I love y'all so much thank you for everything that you've done and my life is a lot better because of y'all I hope y'all have a good one and I will talk with y'all soon